spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences often shows us more about what we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. The 30th of May marks Memorial Day in the U.S. A lot of us think of it as the unofficial start of summer, but what it really is is our holiday observed on the last Monday in the month of May when we honor the men and the women who died while serving in the U.S. military. Now, much of what we know about key historical events are learned through documentaries, what we learn in school, what we read in history books. But most vividly, it's the firsthand accounts, those stories that our grandparents and our ancestors told us when they were alive. Research, however, from Americans' leading biography writing service, a service called Story Terrace, finds that more than half of the people they talked to said that much of that family history is lost because you can't talk to the person who lived it. Joining me on the show today, Perspectives, this Memorial Day weekend, are Chris Bach. He tells the story of his great uncle in the adventure story and novel, An Ordinary Man, and Rutger Bruning. He is the founder of Story Terrace. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Rucker, let me Thank start you. with you. Yeah, tell me about Story Terrace. What is it and how did you how did you come to bring it to life in 2014? Yes, I mean Story Terrace helps people to turn their life story, their memoirs into into a book. And we do that by working with hundreds of different ghost writers. We work with writers across the United States, Canada and England. Uh, and we match people based on their backgrounds, that's their kind of their cultural background, professional backgrounds, their personality and their location to make sure that it's a really seamless match and people have great conversations about the story that, that they want to tell so that we can turn that into a book. Where did the idea come from to do this? Yeah, the idea spawns back a long time. Uh, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents um, uh, when I was young. Usually I'd spend a week with them over the holidays and my grandfather, um, his eyesight wasn't great, so he would play this board game called Bagammon with me because yeah, they are quite big stones so you could see them. Yeah, and down he, here in the South, we'd call that backgammon. All right, go ahead. Yes, yes, thanks for translating. And uh, so we would play that uh, day and night, I would say, with thick cigar smoke coming uh, coming from his side. I was a bit too young for that. And um, he would tell me stories about the Second World War. Um, he was uh, um, a reservist who later started a small resistance group in the Southwest of the Netherlands. He also talked about how he played sports, how he traveled, how he moved to the Caribbean with my grandmother to start a doctor's practice there. So there were lots and lots and lots of stories. But when he passed away, they faded much quicker than I expected. Than I yeah, you were only 18 when you lost him, right? Um, yes, I was uh, Yeah, around that time. Yes. So and then I regretted I didn't record the stories and we've been looking for a way to basically make sure that that doesn't need to be the case anymore. And that's how I came to Story Terrace. Chris, how did you hear about it? Uh, my sister said, you need to hire a writer and stop pestering me or about the story. And I went home and just looked around and found Story Terrace. I liked what I 
read and so I started the process and ended up writing a book with them so great. you were really going to write a book with your sister and your sister was like no no this is no, your no, project my... not ours this you I, I support you yeah. but I'm not doing yeah my, yeah my sister likes to delegate stuff so <laughs> she <laughs> I was I was like I was discovering a lot of stuff about the story and so I was just really getting excited about it so you know I was animated with people and um you know but, but just one day my sister said Hi, you should hire a writer and I was like it's I should actually because you know my, my wife is is definitely capable of writing it with me just me but you know she's got a job and you know, same thing so it just it, it made sense to do I had a lot of time on my hands because you know 2020 and um I just wanted to do it really badly and I talked to a few um, family members said I wanted to do it and they pitched in a bit and you know got the ball rolling and then you know I took it a bit further where it's published now so but yeah it was a great experience writing the book with them so with Story Terrace so um, I would say that for sure. Tell me about your great uncle. It's actually my great great uncle but yes um, that's correct great great very uncle. similar yeah um, but he his name was Paul Paddock and he was born in 1893. And um, he lived through World War One, obviously. He was born in Austria and fought for the Austrian Empire and then survived. So really interesting, cute story, a, a gift that he gives his mom before going off to war. Um, it's in the book, but just a very helpful kind generous person i would say like very joking you know uh, kind of a um his his uh, sister's nickname for him was basically like uh it was unmeising in german and, and it basically is like immoderate out of bounds like you know gluttonous type person but he was extremely helpful um in terms of what he did for the family he honestly like his the way he lived his life before World War One, the stuff he studied, and then what he did after World War One, learning about metal work and becoming an expert drop forge engineer, led him to be able to um, capitalize on a job opportunity in Japan when Hitler invaded Austria. And um, so he ends up in Japan and ends up with a bunch of money through a winning lottery ticket that he had been buying lottery tickets his whole life. He had a bunch of disposable income because he was, um, you know, never had any family, he was gay. And so he, it was very close with his niece and niece, his uh, niece and nephews, yes, too. And um, so then he, you know, got the money miraculously because he had his boyfriend that, got the money and put it into a bank and then he proceeded to have them all follow him to Japan and meet him at the docks with apparently no visas my grandpa was under the impression that there were visas but there, apparently there were no visas and uh he just would meet him at the docks with some people in Japan that he knew through the factory and his translator and go on the ship and they would let him have them you know my, my my grandpa they had a fake letter for him saying he was going to be a doctor in the factory apparently because he was like four exams away from getting his medical degree in the university of vienna when hitler 
to know more for education for the Jewish people there. And um, so he, then he leaves right at the end of December, just uh, in December of uh, 38. And him and his brother finally actually leave Europe on August. Uh, no, no, that's when Paul leaves August 3rd of 38. And then they leave January 3rd, I think of uh, 39. And then the rest of the family follows everyone except for one person who stays behind because he didn't want to accept Paul's help because of Paul's sexuality, which it's a lot of layers to that. Honestly, that's my uh, great. Yeah, that's my great grandfather that ends up staying behind. And, um, you know, it's, his end is poetic yet tragic. Um, so. How did you learn all of this about your family? I mean, was it as Rutger has talked about through the, you know, the oral tech, you know, storytelling that your your great great grandfather told your great grandfather who told your grandfather? I mean, how did you hear and then, you know, verify it all? No, um, I mean, it's it's actually really beautiful. It's kind of like the dovetail to his story because it is through my grandfather and it is my grandfather telling me all of this, but it's all in writing because he um, wrote his entire life down like he it's 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 quite impressive honestly the amount of stuff that he wrote down that you can get to know him as a person um, and so he he published a book that is out there in the world and I didn't really even know he published it in 2000 I think and then he died in 2006 and I was never very close to him you know I wasn't not close but he was just he was a you know, quiet person. We were out in the mountains. He was, he really enjoyed that. And he would kind of lighten up and be joking. But, um, you know, he was actually a very deep person, like a lot of layers to him. I got to know it really well through all of his writings, which is kind of really, it was a lot of fun, that part of it. Um, but yeah, it was all just, he published that book and he talks about his uncle Paul in there about what he did. And then in 2002, or no, no, in in 1982, like four years or so after Paul died, um, he sat down and wrote an essay about his uncle Paul. That's like basically everything he really knew and, you know, written quite well. And it was very nice and you know, it was shocking to read it, honestly. And I found that after because my mom had a, a box of stuff. And then he also got his brother um, who knew Paul much better, actually. They were much closer in age and they had a much more um, contemporary relationship, I would say. Um, and so I had those documents and then there was some stuff from a relative that ended up in um, England that wrote about it. And because his, his mother was like a dancer and did all this amazing stuff. And that was my grandpa's cousin. And so she writes about Paul and the, and the Paddock family line going back because it's her family line too. It's actually two brothers, two Paddock brothers married two Heller sisters. So this family like ends up having this generation of kids that are cousins yet basically genetically sisters and brothers like in a lot of ways because they they share both like, you know, like uncle, uncle and aunt are actually uncle and aunt when they go over and visit, you know what I mean? So it's it's... It was an interesting dynamic. So all that was there. And then I um, just started researching it like crazy and ended up in some forums with different writers that had seen some stuff. And somebody said they saw Paul Paddock's name written in a file that they were studying about Carl Rosenberg. He's the guy that put the ad in the Jewish newspaper 
that uh, the family Paul saw or Paul's friend saw. And then, um, you know, he ends up all that stuff ends up basically laying there in these official cables. And that got, you know, archived in Jerusalem. The originals, I believe, are there. And then the DC Holocaust Museum has it like in microfiche. So I asked them for it and they gave it to me like, I think within hours, it felt so fast. A lot of things felt fast in the longest process. But I remember that like being like, oh, really? That's there? And then like I asked for it in Jerusalem and it was going to cost some money to them. They'll get it to me and blah, blah, blah. And then I think someone said, oh, you could probably look in the DC Holocaust Museum. They might have it too or something. So I, I looked there and just told them a few numbers and who I was and they sent it to me like almost immediately. So it was shocking. Rutger, when it comes to story storytelling and you hear about this one from Chris, that sounds like a, a pretty easy layup. I'm fascinated just in the handful of details he's already shared. Yes, that one is right up there with, you know, for me, one of the most unique stories that we've done. And, you know, we believe everyone has a book in them and we have evidence that that's the case. Um, and books are really valuable for people's families in general. But this story is, uh, yes, pretty unique one. Uh, this sort of the amount of, cons- you know, sort of, um, consequences of incidents that happen uh, through sort of sheer luck is is makes it a really incredible book and then the themes that are really don't feel like the themes of the 1930s that do come back there is also really unique. We're losing so many of the greatest generation every day. Rutger, why is it important that families like Chris's and others make sure that they go through the boxes and do some of that research and make sure that those stories are told? Um, I think it's very easy to just remember you know, the, the wars that, that we've gone through in our nations from movies. So anything that you can find in your family, I think makes it very different to people, even those for whom this is many generations ago. I was very lucky in the sense that I thought, you know, my grandfather's stories had lost. And then we found a war diary many years after he had passed away, uh, in which he, he wrote, um, about a year during the war when he was in, in his resistance group, um, his feelings and his thoughts. And it was so incredibly valuable. So, and we turned that into a little book, writing his story of his life around it. And it's something that I look forward to giving to my daughter when she's able to read that kind of book. Is it true that many from that generation were reluctant to talk about what happened during the war because it was just so terrible? Yes, I think that is very true. My grandfather was very lucky, no one in his group, um, um, you know, got, got injured um, or hurt. Um, whereas my grandmother, she lost a lot of family in the war and we never asked her a single question about it because um, that way you weren't supposed to do that. So uh, yeah, I do understand the feeling on, on sort of both sides where for some people, the war is sort of um, something that they talk about it's camaraderie um, um, and success ultimately. And for others, it's really painful and not even a topic that you want to broach. And then you do get that people at the very end of their life are finally ready to talk about certain things that they've kept to themselves for a very, very long time. We do see that as well. Chris, how cathartic, if at all, was it to learn everything that you learned about your great, great uncle and then to to tell his story in the memoir and then to even expound upon it? Because you, you've done more with the story. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of emotions, honestly. I mean, I feel like it's, it's one thing to say, you know, you're from people that had to flee the Holocaust and and survived, and it's another to kind of <clears throat> document it and see the factual evidence, and then you know, kind of document what you know the Nazis were doing when they came in to Austria, in particular, because it's very systematic and it's it's terrifying to imagine. Like it's just 
you know, people get disgruntled when they don't get their order correct. Sometimes you see it's like, and uh, so it's, you know, there's a lot of layers to it. And, um, you know, I discovered all kinds of weird, like coincidences that just, you know, you wouldn't know until you start looking and asking, you know, and your family and people tell you different things, but like, and I found evidence of it too, because my, my mom likes to say a lot of things and I have to admit, I you know, kind of, I want to look them up sometimes, you know, but, um, you know, I found evidence that, you know, my uncle on her side was in Pearl Harbor when it, you know, like in, I don't know if he was on the base, but I know he was over there stationed there and, you know, was there when it all happened, like Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. And so it's like, I exist because Japan was, um, you know, building up for war and was, you know, going to take any engineer they could get, you know, Jewish or not or whatever. And Paul ends up getting the job over there. And then, you know, it's crazy how my, my grandparents end up meeting because they meet in Peking. It was now it's Beijing, but um, that's where they end up meeting because my grandma goes there on the Trans-Siberian Railroad, like right before Germany attacks Russia, because she was a German national. Um, Her father was, you know, a rather important figure at the time. And um, her mother was Jewish. So she was kind of on the fence of being persecuted in a lot of ways, but she had polio too. And she really didn't like Germany. Um, She, that was the one thing, like my grandparents never talked about it much at all. I knew that they had met in China and I knew that it was because of the war and all these things. And I knew my grandma didn't want to go back to Germany and never would. And her family kind of wanted her to, in a certain sense, um, they're close. And, but, and, you know, my grandpa always was kind of trying to get the family to go back to Austria and, you know, it was always there. Um, but never sat down and was like, yeah, you know, Uncle Paul did this for me in 1938 and but he wrote it all down and I think he knew you know like you can see it the way they they start each one of their essays they're like you know my grandpa's more like this is for the kids in the future I want them to read this and blah blah and my 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 great uncle you know his brother Kurt is like I'm just doing this because you know my brother's making me and I pretty much he wants and um you know but you know because it was it was it was painful for him to write you can tell because he, he really really loved paul and there were a lot of layers to the people in in the family as 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 usual and i think kurt carried a lot of the um pain of the family having to flee you know yeah yeah rutger this makes me worry for our kids grandkids because our kids today can barely communicate in a complete sentence uh, without an emoji or abbreviated words. You said it, you've got evidence that uh, there's a book in everybody. Uh, what are the some of the benefits as we begin to wrap up of, of making sure that we tell these stories and not only share them with our families because it's our own rich history, but also with the, you know, the broader reading audience, especially seeing how this just contributes to our culture, just everything that, that Chris has shared about his great, great uncle and what his life experience was. It's fascinating. Yes, I mean, I think when it comes to outside of the family, I think the more we know of history, the more we can avoid repeating the mistakes that that we made. When it comes to knowing more about your family, and that doesn't have to do just with war, but just knowing your 
parents, grandparents, great parents' lives. There's a lot of evidence that the more people know about their families, that actually the more successful they are in life, that uh, the better their mental health is because they know the ups and downs that generations go through, which gives them you know, the strength to also go through the downs, but also not to fly too high. And uh, there's a lot of evidence for that. And I hope that we can play a role by making it you know, more common for people to capture their life story in a book uh, that that will, you know, will go that direction. So then how does somebody like, you know, one of our listeners today, how do they connect with, with Story Terrace, with you? How, talk to me just a little bit about the process of matching somebody with an incredible story as, as Chris had with his great, great uncle Paddock uh, with the organization so that we can tell those stories and be stronger, healthier families, especially when you think about, and we're talking about veterans and this being Memorial Day and those who were lost, you know, there's a great diverse culture of Americans who served and lost their lives. And those stories sometimes are a little bit more difficult to research back. Absolutely. Um, so what people the easiest can do is come to our website. It's storyterrace.com. That's T-E-R-R-A-C-E.com. And there you can find all information. We're very transparent about the packages that you can buy, the pricing for that. And you can talk to someone, give us a call, uh, get a call back. And what would happen if you decide to get started is we would match you with a writer. Um, a project editor would get to know you a little bit or the person the book is going to be about so that we can match the person with a writer that really they feel super comfortable ha having conversations with. We also use questionnaires to help people prepare for their interviews so they can give some thought in advance. Some people write lots in their questionnaires. Some people just read them so that they start thinking about the different moments in their life that really matter. And then from there, it's a really easy process where we take people's photos, we get them to approve the outline of the book, a sample chapter, and then the full draft. And we'll take all, all things from there out of their hands till they have beautiful, you know, full color, hardbound books in their homes. Chris, what do you want readers to take away from your book? I mean, it's something I thought about a lot, honestly, because it's just open for me to be able to say what I would like you to take away at different points. Um, but I mean, kind of, you know, family's obviously the thread of the entire book, as is most things in life. But, um, you know, I would say, you know, there's a lot to take away from it. So it's kind of hard for me to point to, but, um, you know, the, the, the real glaring one is, you know, learning, learning about history and trying to stand up for what is, um, you know, right and not always easy to stand up for is, is, you know, the right, it, 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 it tends to turn out how it should. And, um, I don't know. It's it's such a long story for me when I realize like the origin story of my family and everyone has like origin stories that are really drawn out. But when you can kind of pinpoint it and like make it factual, it's it's really weird to um, realize that something that happened in, you know, 1910 affected how I am, like the fact that I exist here. It's It's a story that will touch you. Like I can guarantee you that. It's something I'm proud of, and I can I feel that everyone that's written about in it would be proud of it too. So I feel comfortable putting it out there. I'm certainly going to recommend it to my book club because I'm fascinated by it. The book is An Ordinary Man, 
From Vienna to Japan and back during World War II, the author is Chris Bach, a book that he wrote uh, in collaboration with uh, Rutger Bruning and his team at Story Terrace. If you want to know more about them, StoryTerrace.com. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for making the time, especially as we honor uh, not only those who served, but those families who had members to serve and paid the ultimate price for that service. Uh, enjoy the weekend, and thank you so much. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you. Stay with us. When we come back, I'm going to introduce you to a really brilliant guy. I mean, he's working on the moonshot to cure cancer. But the reason why David Ahrens joins us in our next segment is to join me to extend an invitation to you to make a difference in the fight to cure brain cancer. Stay with us. This is Perspectives, and I'm Condis Presley. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condis Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condace? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time as we explore new perspectives. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.